Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning to you. Today is Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. The Feast of St. Rose of Lima. She was born in, on April 20th, 1586 in Lima, Peru, during a time of great moral corruption in the city. I bet we can't relate to that. And she, despite the corruption, divine mercy was already working in her soul, and she would become an instrument of expiation. This was by great suffering. And at the age of 20 years old, she took the third order habit of St. Dominic, becoming a Dominican. She dedicated herself to prayer and sacrifice in her family's garden oratory. St. Rose had a zealous heart for the conversion of the unfaithful nations in South America, and she wept and suffered for their souls. I like to kind of call her the St. Teresa of Sioux for the Dominican order because she had such zeal for the missions, despite the fact that she herself was not a missionary. She, by her suffering and prayer, she supported the missions. St. Rose of Lima's strong faith and dedication were demonstrated when she placed herself before the tabernacle to protect Lima when a Dutch fleet of Protestant heretics came in to try to destroy the city. She casted herself upon the tabernacle, shielding the tabernacle with her own body. By God's grace, there was not she was not killed and she was totally unharmed. No harm came to the city either. The universal spirit of penance that St. Rose had was absolutely tremendous and one might say miraculous because she had, the, had by her grace, they had the conversion and led to the, the sovereign pontiff acknowledging that no missionary has ever produced such a universal spirit of penance in Peru since its discovery. This is because of her intense penances, sleeping on the floor, the lack of food that she would eat, the amount of uh, pain that she endured for the sake of souls. Can we endure just, you know, our daily lives? I think that would be a great burden for most of us, including myself. Now, today she is recognized among Latin America and throughout the world as this great saint. So let's pray to St. Rose of Lima for the conversion of souls, for a revision or a restoration of the missions. We pray that this all come back to us and many souls may be converted by our suffering and moral corruption be stamped out. St. Rose of Lima, pray, pray for, for us. us. And good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Hey, good morning, Adrian. It's a fantastic day. St. Rose of Lima, that's uh, one of the parishes I used to go to in California. Oh, really? And they had a radio station there. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, a neat. tower. Was it? Oh, at a tower. Okay. Yeah, I think they actually had their own radio station, though. But hmm. uh, Yeah, that was the first time I'd ever heard of that saint. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. St. Rose of Lima, she's um, really, I think she's become much more popular. And I think she's probably more popular in the United States and South America mm -hmm. than she is in Europe. But it's uh, she's definitely someone that it doesn't get enough attention, I don't, I don't think. I think she uh, kind of gets overshadowed by her, her Carmelite counterpart, St. Therese of Lisieux. Right. Yeah. She's like the St. Rose. And then you think a little flower and you're like, oh, it's kind of a. A little bit of a uh, it's friendly competition there. It's trademarked. It's trademarked. You just can't. Only one of them can be a flower. The little flower. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, praise be to God. St. Rose of Lima is a beautiful saint. 
and hopefully we can um, have more opportunities to know and love these saints that are lesser known. Um, but um, I think that, to, that Rose of Lima is known a little bit, is known a little bit, uh, especially among the Dominican Order. Dominican Order loves St. Rose of Lima. Now, coming up on the show today, there are a number of things I thought was interesting. Everybody and their mother has already talked about Oliver Anthony's Richmond, north of Richmond, um, except for myself. I didn't talk about it. Did you, did you bring it up whenever it came out uh, a couple weeks ago? No, we didn't. Okay, yeah. good, good. So this is brand new for us. This is brand new for us. I It came out while I was gone, and I'm just now finding all the people talking about it, and I'm like, huh. This is interesting. I thought about bringing it up, mm-hmm. but then I thought, well, how can I play the song without having any sort of curse words? Yeah. I thought, no, I wish there weren't any curse words in this song. It would be fine, you know? Yeah, but, it has a little bit of profanity. I asked Taylor to uh, take out all the profanity, so we're going to play it, and hopefully uh, we're going to be able to play that without anything popping up there. At 30 past the hour, uh, we're going to talk about transhumanism. That is a movement that... Nobody, I feel like I'm the only person that talks about this. I bring this up every couple months and I try to find other people commenting on it, either written or spoken. And it's just very, very little people talking about it. I found academic articles on transhumanism, but on a popular level, it's almost nobody. And it's the next step down the slippery slope. And I am very disappointed that it doesn't get enough traction. So we're going to be talking about that at 30 past the hour. At 45 past the hour, there were multiple businesses that rescinded a recently reintroduced mask mandate. So that's some good news. We're going to talk about that, what that means, and what we can learn from that. Very good news. Plus, in the next hour, have you do you celebrate your name day? I, I wonder. I, many people don't. The Feast of St. Uh, Rudolfo, do you, do you celebrate that day? I think I'm the only one. The only Rudolfo? Well, the, if I become a saint. Oh, well, there you go. God willing. There's no St. Rudolfo, Amen, really? Soviet. No, I don't think so. Wow, I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah. You feel like there would be like a Spanish St. Saint Rudolfo or something? Maybe there's a Rudolphus. Maybe. Or a Rudolph, St. Rudolph. I don't know. I don't know. Let me look it up. Yeah, you should look that up. Find out. I, I That's something that we're going to talk about in the next hour, celebrating our name days. Like We have, we should be, most of us are named after a saint, and we should be celebrating that as a, a way to... Uh, bring Catholic culture into our daily lives. As always, we have our Fear and Trembling game show, and prizes are, in fact, involved, so you're going to want to make sure to tune in in the next hour to play the game. Now, let's begin with prayer. We are going to be praying for your intentions. Whatever it is that you have going on in your life, we're going to be praying for that. I would be very grateful if you pray for my grandfather. He's going through cancer treatment at the moment, so prayers for him. He has cancer in a number of places, I think five different parts of his body has cancer. So I'd be very grateful for your prayers. I pray for the salvation of souls and liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for, and especially those who are suffering because of the fires in Hawaii. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O Immaculata, Queen of heaven and earth, refuge of sinners and our most loving mother, God has willed to entrust the entire order of mercy to you. I, a repentant sinner, cast myself at your feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and have, holy to yourself as your possession and property. Please make of me of all my powers of soul and body, of my whole life and death, eternity, whatever most pleases you. If it pleases you, use all that I am and have without reserve, holy to accomplish what was said of you. 
She will crush your head, and you alone have destroyed all heresies in the world. Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum in all the many strayed and indifferent souls, and thus help extend as far as possible the blessed kingdom of the most sacred heart of Jesus. For wherever you enter, you obtain the grace of conversion and growth in holiness, since it is through your hands that all graces come to us from the most sacred heart of Jesus. Allow me to praise you, O sacred virgin. Give me strength against your enemies. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to these and for those that do not have recourse to thee, especially for the Freemasons and those commended to thy care. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now, your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Now, here are some of today's breaking news and stories. Catholic Vote reports D.C. Attorney General targets pro-life lawyer Leonard Leo. Attorney General Brian Schwalb announced last week that he is investigating Leonard Leo and some of the many conservative nonprofit organizations with which he has worked. Leo was instrumental in setting the stage for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. The extent and purpose of the investigation is unclear, though it follows several months after the left-wing Campaign for Accountability filed a complaint with the IRS alleging improper payments at which it called Leo-affiliated nonprofits. The Hill reports Meta says it disrupted the largest known cross-platform China-linked disinformation campaign. The social media company took down 7,704 Facebook accounts, 954 pages, 15 groups, and 15 Instagram accounts tied to the operation. Meta found that the distinct clusters of fake accounts were run from different parts of China in groups that may have worked from a shared location, such as an office, and operated in clear shifts. The groups often shared the same proxy internet infrastructure and posted identical content typically supportive of China and critical of the U.S. Western foreign policies and Chinese detractors across various platforms. And Breitbart reports ISIS-connected contractor smuggled Uzbek migrants across the border into the U.S. Border Patrol agents apprehended more than a dozen Uzbek nationals earlier this year who crossed the border from Mexico into the United States. The migrants were reportedly released into the U.S. by the Biden administration to pursue asylum claims. The report stated that the ISIS-connected human smuggler who brought them in is not believed to be a member of the terrorist network, but is described as more of a an independent contractor. So don't worry. Those are all of your headlines today. Uh, well, actually not all of them, but stay tuned for more on Catholic Drive Time. Back to you, Adrian. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. The gospel of the day comes from Matthew chapter 23. This continues on of our Lord condemning the scribes and the Pharisees, where he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, and calls them hypocrites. Now, there are a lot of things that we can focus on here, but there's one particular thing that really stood out to me from Cornelius Alapide's commentary on this passage. He says here, And say, if we had been in the days of our father, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore you are witnesses against yourself that you are the sons of them that killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Wow, this is incredibly, incredibly important to recognize because our Lord then, Cornelius Lapide commentating on this says, our Lord then is telling them, you deceive yourselves, you utter falsehoods, for you will kill the Christ who is the prince of the prophets. 
And if you would kill the Christ, the prince of the prophets, then you most surely would have killed the prophets who were wont to do the same, who reproves your wickedness. Therefore, you actually testify against yourselves, saying you are sons of them who killed the prophets. And this is what we see of the post-Christian Jews, because our Lord here comes and he fulfills the promises given by the prophets, and he creates the Catholic Church. And from then on, this, the Jewish faith that comes afterwards is a rejection of the Messiah. The Jews that come afterwards are the sons of those who killed the prophets. And the Catholics are those who are the sons of those who heard the prophets and followed the words of the prophets. And this is a hard saying, but our Lord is clear here. In verse 32, he says, Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Cornelius Lapide says that this should be taken with verse 35, which is not part of this passage. And it says here that upon you may come all the just blood that hath been shed upon the earth from the blood of Abel, the just, even unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Barachus, whom you killed between the temple of the altar. Amen, I say to you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Now, this, of course, most clearly is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem which our Lord waited to do until they killed Christ himself and his apostles and then had Jerusalem destroyed. Then Cornelius Lapide, though, says that this applies to you and I as well in our own time. He says, because our Lord then sometimes chastises in part and waits a long time and waits for many generations in order that they be seen that his judgment is just. And when God does determine to destroy that city or nation, he seems to avenge upon them the sins of all the preceding generations, as though that generation alone suffered what all the previous ones deserved. Thus God commanded that Saul to blot out the posterity of the Amalek on account of the wickedness of their parents. Now, this is very important. Why? Because we would say, okay, how does that work out? Because our Lord says that you don't suffer the sins of your parents. Well, the reason is because the children and the descendants are counted as one with their parents because they do not reject the errors of their past, of their families. Instead, what they do is they continue on the same path. And so you see those who came before us may have had wicked sins, but are we doing any better? Are we correcting it? Are we making acts of rep are we repenting for our sins, the sins of our nation? Or are we doubling down? Are we committing more sins, even grieve more grievous sins? Are we getting worse and worse? Or are we getting better? If we're not, well, woe to us on that day when our Lord decides to give us his just punishment. So let's pray and do penance. We'll be right back with more after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, why do Christians talk so much about God and so little about humanity? G.K. Chesterton says that the people who insist that we forget divine things and think of human things end up talking about how helpless human beings are because of their faulty environment or their fatal heredity or their uncontrollable animal instincts. And it all ends with the old fatalist cry that we must forgive everything because there's nothing to forgive. But these things are not the human things. These are the subhuman things, the, the things we share with animals. The human things are exactly what they dismiss as merely divine. The human things are free will, responsibility, authority, and self-denial. The things that are really human are also divine. 
Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to meditate on Christ's passion. Wouldn't it be great if everyone meditated daily on our Lord's passion? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there was a song that kind of went viral. It's a country song that people were saying is a radical right wing and is very bad. Maybe you heard of it. Um, Try That in a Small Town by Jason Aldean. Um, I didn't really like that song, to be completely honest. I mentioned it back when, whenever we first talked about it, I was like, you're making me defend Jason Aldean and I don't like it. It's not good because uh, even that song, Try That in a Small Town. Yeah, I kind of like the lyrics a little bit. I like the message for sure. But the music itself, I'm like, Jason Aldean is just pop country. And I was like, guys, guys, y'all don't realize I don't like Jason Aldean and you're making me defend him. And <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not happy. Um, but then this new song came out. That kind of went viral. I think it has currently almost like 50 million views. And that's just from like people looking up the actual song on YouTube and not counting everywhere else and people reacting to it and reposting it. It's gone really viral. And this song, I really, really liked. I really enjoyed this song much, much more. I thought it was um, much more in the vein of actual country music. Uh, did you hear that song, Rudy? I did. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty catchy. I was surprised to to hear it when I first uh, when I first looked it up because, you know, everybody was talking about it and I thought, ah, can't be like, can't be that great. Come on, let me go, let me go listen. It's actually pretty good. He talks a lot of uh, the very important issues that we're facing today. The one that stood out the most to me, though, was he was talking about how the dollar's not worth anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to play some of that song and go through it a little bit and uh, make some comments as we go along. And one of the things that I, uh, one thing that I really like about it, though, is that it's, it's your classic folk music. It's very much in the bluegrass tradition. Some are saying it's like Appalachian. Mm. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I get that vibe. It's, it, yeah, it kind of gets that vibe. And maybe some are saying it's more like outlaw music. I also really like, you know, Johnny Cash kind of way of doing things. Um, mm. the, the classic, uh, what you need for a country song is three chords and the truth. Um, that's very much uh, in this vein. So, uh, Taylor, can you play that uh, to start off from the top? No. All right, uh, we'll pause that real quick. I'm hearing myself in my ear. I think there's probably um, a YouTube link open that's being played in the background there. So let's uh, work on that, and uh, hopefully we get that playing. But here, the song, it starts off. He says, I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for, and we'll just fill in for the words here. He, um, he used a little bit of profanity. He says, overtime hours for very bad pay, we'll say. So I can't sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and down my troubles away. And at first, nobody knew who this guy was. Nobody really knew who Oliver Anthony was. And that's not even his real name. Uh, he that's just I would think that he said that was his grandfather's name. And he wanted to honor his grandfather by putting his music under that title. And so he said that he was an alcoholic for a long time. 
And so he's very much talking from his own personal experience. He said he lives in a little hut with a tarp over it. And so he's not some kind of rich guy, some wealthy man who's just trying to capitalize on people's struggles. He's actually living that life. And so he's saying, yeah, you know, I'm selling my soul, working all day. I'm working my butt off. I'm doing all this work. For what? (laughs) I'm working all day long and I get nothing. I get nothing. I get paid minimum wage for the hard work. And it's kind of contrasted. You kind of talk to people who work these kind of jobs and they're like, how is it that people working at BuzzFeed who sits in an AC unit and are working, um, working, uh, writing articles about top 10 quizzes make more money than the guy working in a factory? Like, how does that make sense? And that's kind of the, the feeling that these is getting. Uh, do we have that ready to play? Oh, let's try that again. Okay, maybe not. Let's see. Let's just speak to your point, Adrian. Oh. Yeah, so. What the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is. So we'll pause it right there and we'll pick up in just a second. And this is, uh, yeah, I think uh, that's that's excellent right here. And he says, people like me, people like you, because he is this guy. He is the person he's talking about. And to speak to that point, right, uh, you know, uh, a factory worker not making enough money to even have a, a standard of living, it reminds me of that encyclical, Cassie Kenobi, which is, I think, Pope Pius the 11th or the 9th. Somebody can correct me in the comments. But, uh, you know, he talks about actually some of the barriers to marriage uh, these days, because marriage also is included here. Mm. It could be a, a, a societal problem here. People aren't able to to work jobs that that actually pay them enough to to sustain a family, and so you know, this is a, a serious Catholic issue. You know, it's funny you say that. I was talking to my grandfather on the weekend. He said he was making a, a dollar and twenty five cents an hour uh, whenever he started working, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's crazy!" And he was like, "Well, you know, back then for twenty five cents, I could uh, go to the movies, get a popcorn, get a um, get the ticket, and uh, get a candy." And sit in the movies, and I was still would have had about uh, like it would have spent about twenty cents. And I was like, "What? That's crazy!" Was that back when the dollar was tied to gold? I bet. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> and he says um, he also said that um, he's like, "Yeah." And then for my house, it was I think he said he bought his house for thirty five thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah, thirty five thousand dollars. I'm like for the same size house, and it's not like it's a giant house. But the grandfather has a I think it's a three bedroom house. And it's uh, if you wanted that today, you're talking like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, easy, easy. Depending Minimum. on the depending on the neighborhood <laughs> you go in, it could be double that. Yeah. And I'm like, this is crazy because okay, a dollar dollar twenty five an hour, but gee whiz, you could uh, eventually pay off a house on that. Whereas whew, now you may make um, fifteen dollars an hour, but now you're gonna spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars on a house. Yeah. For his tiny little bitty house, it's, it's, yeah, it's what he says. It's a shame. Now, we'll pick up the song. We'll play to keep, uh, continue it. With an old soul, the rich man knows, the rich man, Lord knows it all, just one. 
Uh, pause it right there. This is a very good thing with what he's talking about here. He says, I want to know what you think, want to know what you know. They don't think you know, but I know that you do. And I think that's important because that's kind of the message that's being sent out to people is like the people, we all, these politicians, these people think that the working class is dumb, that they could just pull something over them and they're not going to notice. They're going to be able to wave their hand and smoke and mirrors. Yeah, it's like when they say, oh, the flyover states, mm-hmm. you know, anytime an election comes around, it's the flyover states as if they're, you know, nothing to be, nothing to see, nothing, nothing, you know, it's just whatever. Yeah, and the other thing is he mentioned because your dollar doesn't isn't worth anything. Your dollar isn't worth anything, and it's taxed to no end. So not only is your dollar worth nothing, but you're getting taxed at 30 40%. I was watching some people talk about it. Some, uh, actually, I was li- watching some liberals talk about it, and they were like, I don't understand why people are calling this right wing. That's how I feel. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm working over here, and I'm making this money, and then the government takes 30 40% of it, and at the end of the day, what am I taking home? So not only am I getting paid very, very nothing – and they had talked about, you mentioned the gold standard. Yeah, the money's not worth anything. It's just paper. Yeah, you know what? As an eBay seller, you know, because I, I, man, you, you're taxed 13% on selling your used items. That's, like, crazy. that's crazy, right? Especially since that's just, already been taxed when it was already, sold yeah. originally. Yeah. Yeah, you're taxed for selling, you're taxed for buying, you're taxed on your income, you're taxed via Medicare, you're taxed via, via your Social Security, you're taxed for a dozen different ways. You're taxed when you die. You tax if you want to give away a gift. It's absurd, the absurdity of it all. Uh, so let's continue. Uh, we'll play this next part. This is the, my favorite line right here. Let's see if we can get that going. I don't know why. In the meantime, you know, one of our listeners, Brooks Durham, he says that uh, what he doesn't like about the song is that he's clearly signaling for the right wingers, but then uh, he comes out and says, oh, I'm not actually on the right. Yeah, That's exactly. Exactly. Let's yeah. uh, we'll see if we can get that going. Look out for miners, not just miners on an island somewhere. Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the hobies milking welfare. All right, we'll pause right there real quick. So the line here is, I wish politicians would look out for miners and not just miners on an island somewhere. Now, obviously, he's talking about Epstein Island. He's talking about the sexual abuse of miners. He's talking about, you know, we just had the whole uh, internet craze of uh, Sound of Freedom, which praise be to God for. And But the thing that pe- most people who are commenting on it are overlooking is the fact that I wish politicians would look out for minors, M-I-N-E-R-S. So as he's saying, look, use these politicians are, he's calling them pedophiles, basically. He's saying, but what about the minors? And this goes back to a long tradition of folk music talking about People working in the mines, hardworking men. You know, you have the the tradition of you know a song like Coal Miner's Daughter. You have like, like songs like uh, Big Bad John by Jimmy Dean, talking about men going out and they're struggling and they're working hard in the mines. Uh, you think about Coal Miner's Blues by the Carter family. Like these are it's a, these is the real situation, and it used to be the case in America where politicians try to appeal to miners, try to appeal to the working man working in the mines. And now it's kind of dead. Nobody talks about miners. No one talks about people working hard for very little and suffering incredibly hard. Um, let's continue. Let's do this last uh, verse here. All right. While we're waiting for him to put that on, the next line is talking about the obese. And he's talking about welfare. And so as soon as that gets going, we'll talk about that. There we go. 
Okay. Uh, so the next, the rest of that line was taxes ought not to pay for your bags. And, oh, we just, yeah, we just cut that. Um, okay. So the line is, well, God, if you're five foot three, if you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground. Now, the one, two comments here. One is about the fudge rounds. He's talking about welfare. He's saying, look, you have America. And here's the thing. I looked up the statistic about a year ago because I was talking about this. You know, guess how many people die from starvation in America? Guess how many people? Zero. Zero people die of starvation in the United States. The Amer- America is an obese country. Even the poor in America are, have enough to eat. That's because of our welfare state. It's because of uh, the amount of cheap food that is available. But the cheap food is always bad for us. It's always the worst possible food. I can spend $8 at McDonald's and get about 2,000 calories. Or I can spend $100 at the grocery store and get good healthy food. And you barely, barely get anything. So that's a real concern. And he's talk- that's what he's talking about here. There is much more I want to bring up. I want to talk about the uh, last line right there. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground. Uh, Maybe we'll be able to talk about that when we come back from the break. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friends tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institution, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before Mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. This one from The Blaze. National Archives admitted it possesses well over 5,000 emails involving the aliases Biden used while being a VP. It now faces a lawsuit and a Thursday deadline to turn them over to Congress. A government watchdog group learned through a Freedom of Information Act request last summer that the National Archives and Records Administration was in possession of over 5,000 emails and electronic records involving fake names President Joe Biden appears to have operated under while wheeling and dealing during his time as vice president. The New York Post noted in 2021 that the Hunter Biden laptop revealed the 80-year-old Democrat also corresponded under the aliases Robin Ware and J.R.B. Ware on emails 
that mixed official and family business. And here's an interesting story from Catholic News Agency. A boy in Brazil asks for and receives a chapel for his birthday. Uh, maybe I'll ask for that. Little Andre Luis Magana asked his parents for a chapel as a present for his seventh birthday, so they decided to build one as part of their home remodeling project. The chapel was dedicated on July 9th in Baru in the Brazilian state of Sao Paulo, where the family lives. According to the parents, the boy wanted a chapel with wooden pews, stained glass windows, and statues, which were chosen by Andre himself. It sounds like the boy has some pretty good taste here. The chapel can seat 14 people and has a pulpit and an altar, but no tabernacle. The day the chapel was blessed, 80 people were in attendance. The family intends to call a priest to celebrate Masses on special occasions such as birthdays, Christmas, and Easter, and the first occasion is scheduled for November 30th, the Feast of St. Andrew the Apostle, to whom the chapel is dedicated. And now, an apology on my part. On Monday, I made an off-the-cuff comment uh, during a report of a middle school forcing a parent to sign a non-disclosure agreement to visit the school. And I said something along the lines of, uh, what kind of name is Kitty Hawk anyway, which is the name of the school? Well, it turns out, thanks to a very kind listener, she informed us that the Kitty Hawk is in fact a Navy aircraft carrier and one that she was on, which is really cool. So I thought I would share that info with you, dear listener, as well as a mea culpa. By the way, it turns out the name Kitty Hawk derived from a Native American word, for, which I think is called Chickahawk, meaning a place to hunt geese. But if you ask me, they missed an opportunity to anglicize it to Chicken Hawk. Those are all your headline news this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Yeah, that was uh, pretty funny. I, sometimes, you, sometimes you get calls about things that you are not <laughs> expecting to get calls for. And yeah, uh, it was pretty My bad. No, that was good. That was good. I was really happy to hear the the phone. Uh, I got a, got the call yesterday, and I was listening to the voicemail, and I was like, oh, wow, that's really interesting, actually. Yeah. yeah so there you go, folks. Yeah, it turns out this listener was on the Kitty Hawk ship, the aircraft carrier. So that's pretty that's, awesome. That's great. Go Navy, she says. There you go. There you go. All right. Um, before we jump into I want to talk about the transhumanist movement. But I, before we go on, I really wanted to get to this comment, uh, this line in the song of Richmond of Richmond by Oliver Anthony, or Richmond, north of Richmond, rather. Now, this line here, I think, is a huge deal, absolutely huge deal, and it is not talked about enough, and this is the source, as many people don't understand the kind of the the manosphere, they don't understand the source of like the Andrew Tate phenomenon, they don't understand the Jordan Peterson phenomenon, they don't understand these things, and Oliver Anthony addresses this in this line. He says, young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground because all this country does is keep on kicking them down. This is exactly what the situ- this is exactly what the situation is as such. Now that we talked with Rudy um, maybe a year ago, maybe more about the MGTOW movement. And oh, yeah. the uh, this is something as men go their own way, where men are swearing off women, saying, you know, I'm done with women. I want nothing to do with them. I'll never marry. I'll never get married. Uh, it's a very common thing. And they uh, dedicate themselves to just work and things like that. Usually some of them, there's different uh, groups of those. Some will be like, oh, well, I'm, they're going to try to live a promiscuous life and things like that. But they don't want to settle down. They want nothing to do with women. And it's really interesting because now... I personally don't experience a lot of these things myself, but this is a very, very common experience among men because, and I, and I know because I, I talk to men, I talk to young men all the time, and this is a very common thing. One thing that people will say is things like, 
uh, we hurt inside as much as women do that we just have to suppress it. And it's kind of this understanding that, you know, men don't express their emotions publicly. And if you do, that would be taboo. That would not be good. And I actually don't think that's a bad thing. I just think that the the problem is you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't have to um, stuff it. Instead, you should be able to have true, good, holy friendships that you can actually be vulnerable with. But the problem is that our culture will then say you're gay. If you have real friendships, real masculine friendships, well, then you must be gay. And so there's nobody that you can confide in. There's no one that you can trust of the same sex. The only person that would be acceptable would be your spouse. And even then, there's, there still should not be a, like, you're, you don't go crying to your wife. You don't start weeping in your wife's arms. And I think that's a serious, serious concern. Another thing that people say is like things like, quote, as a man, nobody cares about you. And this is true. I mean, this is true. Your average man, nobody cares. If you die, nobody cares. You, you work hard jobs and it's like, okay, well, you work that job and it is what it is. And men will point this out and be like, yeah, whereas if you're a woman, well, people care. Like if you have a mental breakdown at work, oh, they're going to have a people running over to come comfort you. You're going to have things like that. And they've done experiments where they have a man out on a, um, a bench at a park start crying, pretend to cry. They get an actor and it starts weeping on the, in, a, in a park. And, and instead of uh, comforting, people will walk away. They'll grab their kids and move them away from them. They'll look at them funny. And, or they'll, someone will be like, dude, can you like chill? And, um, but then they do the same experiment with a woman. And immediately there's someone comes up and talk to them. An old lady will come and talk to them. A woman will come up and talk to them. A child will come comfort them. And another man will come try to comfort her. Uh, these things uh, are very, very these are it's just what happens. It's simply what happens. Here's another one. They said, how terrified we are that you could ruin our lives with one accusation. Uh, men are so afraid. And I've seen these kind of stories happen where uh, men, which obviously the best cure for this is don't be promiscuous, but they will consensually have uh, relations with a woman and then they'll get reported as rape because the woman regrets it later on, even though it was completely consensual at the time. And so they're completely terrified of of at any moment, and even if you did nothing, like Brett Kavanaugh, or how about um, Justice Clarence Thomas, you could do, you could actually be virtuous and never do anything wrong, and you could still have accusations thrown at you for no reason. And the automatic belief is, quote, believe all women. And so men are put at a disadvantage there. Your entire life could be ruined by one of these accusations, whether they're true or not. Utterly. Yeah, yeah there, was a, wild. there was the one uh, young man who, who got... Uh, kicked off his football team, college football. And his life is now completely different because he can't go back to college and go back to, he's a grown man now. He's an adult and he was on track to join the NFL. And now his entire life is completely changed because a woman accused him of raping her. Now here's one that a lot of people will relate to, how much stress a wife can undergo without a mental breakdown. And this person commented, they said, quote, how much stress a man can undergo without a mental breakdown? My wife stays at home with kids, and I work 65 hours a week so we can live in the suburbs. She has no idea how hard it can be to say no to her or the kids because money is tight. It breaks my heart sometimes to not be able to give them everything they desire. My wife can never understand how hard that can be on me, feeling like I can't do enough or that I'm not man enough to provide. It's tough. Life as a dad and a man, sole breadwinner, can be tough mentally and physically. My wife works hard. She takes care of our kids in our house. She also pays the bills, but I'm so tired always. 
And this kind of goes with what you mentioned earlier about Cassie Kanubi and the money problem. Like this is, we used to be a society that built built careers on the fact that we wanted people to be able to support their families on a single income. And now it's impossible. It's practically impossible. At the very, very least, you practically have to have your wife at least work part-time. I seriously recommend reading that encyclical, Cassie Kanubi. It's, 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 it's so, I remember the first time I read it, it was like, uh, it was like it was talking about modern times. And, and it, I, I, there are very little encyclicals that I, that I can read where it's like, whoa, this, is, this was written hundreds of years ago. And it applies right now. It's, 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 it's insane. Yeah. Um, and they talk about, uh, the, the, the Holy Father, he talks about uh, what suffers when you're, just, you're, you're at work all the time and your entire life is just work, 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 work. What suffers, it tends to suffer, is the family. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. And, and here's the, the other thing is, I mean, there's a, so much about it. Like the, the, high, the rates of suicide for men is way higher than any other category. Straight right men are the most vulnerable category of people. And I, I would make jokes with my friends. I'm like, man, dude, I'm so glad I'm not white because, I mean, it's just so hard. It's so hard to be a straight white male in the 21st century. And it's not to say like, oh, woe is me, right? I mean, I'm not white, so I don't have all of those problems. But it's, it's, a, real, it's a real issue that people suffer with. And I, and I just, my heart goes out to a lot of people who don't have these communities, don't have family and friends that help them. It's really, really much of a, much of a struggle. And the last thing here is a note to any young ladies looking for a, uh, for a guy. The last comment someone made was, as a rule, 99% of the time, no one gives us compliments. We just want to be wanted. Well, if you want a guy, that's the easiest way to get him to like you is to uh, compliment him. Be nice to the guy. I promise. <laughs> we'll be right back with more right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early church fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Listening to Catholic Radio and getting excited about learning about your Catholic faith can be, well, infectious. I converted uh, in my 20s to a Protestant, and uh, this is the first time I've heard Catholic Radio. I've been listening to it for a couple hours driving. First time I've ever heard Catholics actually excited about what they believe. I'm going to tell you what, this has been uh, one of the greatest two hours that I've had in a while. And a special thank you to our donors for keeping Catholic Radio on the air. Thank you, and may God bless you. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about the, uh, the whole Oliver Anthony thing. And, you know, I think the, the answer is 
to to the whole problem of um, the suicide epidemic among men. This kind of defeatist attitude. It's kind of like uh, we had a comment. Brooks Duran said, uh, I feel that the song is kind of defeatist and pathetic. And yeah, you know, it kind of is in a way. It kind of is because it's a song you kind of just complain, right? It's a song about complaining, but it's it's articulating real feelings that real people have. And so the problem is, okay, if these are real feelings that real people are having, then what's the solution? How do you respond to it? And the answer is there has to be conversion because there is no answer in the secular world. The reason why people feel this way and, and have these kind of emotions is because they don't have God in their lives. Now, some of these things are political issues. Like, for instance, there's nothing there we can do to say, like, okay, how do we uh, stop with uh, the inflation? How do we stop with the money thing? Well, that's a political issue. We have to elect people who are going to fix that kind of problem. How do we fix the welfare problem? That same thing. But when it comes to how we react to these things, how we respond, well, the answer is we have to have God in our lives and we have to have holy friendships. And this is something that is so lost. And I mentioned this already, but we have to foster it. We have to foster it. We have to find people who are like-minded and you are the people you hang around. And so we have to be able to create these kinds of friendships. And I think a good Exodus 90 does a good job of doing things like that. And these men groups at on a, at your local parish. And if there's not one, start one. And it's something that we can do. Something that is lost in our culture and we have to bring back. And I think that's really the solution to these things like the MGTOW movement. And recognizing that this is not all women. This is not all men. This is a particular, this is a very populated, it's a huge swath of the population, but it's not everybody. And the, the things can get better, but it starts with us. It starts with you and I. We have to become holy. We have to become virtuous. That's the only way out. The only way out is to remove vice and promote virtue. And it's hard. It takes work. You're going to fall. You have to get back up. And you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes you got to do the St. Francis treatment and throw yourself into a thorn bush. Yeah. Maybe. For sure. I don't no, know. For sure. Who knows? Maybe. Suffering is hard. and But that's what that's what the doctor orders. Yeah. The doctor orders suffering. We talk about Rose of Lima. The bitter medicine. The bitter medicine. It's hard. and But you have to chastise yourself. We have mm. to chastise our bodies. And if it means physical pain, well, I can't, I can't say that publicly because I'll get sued. But, yeah, that's, I mean, what did the saints do? They disciplined themselves. What was the discipline? They had, it was a whip. with a, It was a rope whip. So it didn't have, like, barbs on it like the one that our Lord had. It was had usually rope knots. And they would scourge their backs with them to try to encourage their have have some pain, have some suffering. And we got rid of those things. We those things have gone away. The only pain I want to be in is a pain I'll shock a lot. Now somebody who speaks French, they're going to be cringing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what you're saying. You know, they say it's spelled pain in in French, bread. Oh, pain. okay. Okay. Well, the only pain I want to be in is uh, when you add the s in front of it. <laughs> there you go, folks. So anyway, that's that story is is it's very good. I'm glad that these things are being noticed and they're being talked about, and I wish it would be talked about more. But here's another thing: the transhumanist ideology. Transhumanism is this major, major thing that is not being discussed in the popular culture. And I think this also goes along right with what we're talking about with Oliver Anthony, to be honest, because people are tired of being human. 
That's really the answer. People are tired of reality. And when you're tired of reality, what do you do? You change reality. Instead of conforming your mind to reality, changing your mindset, the modern world says, let's change reality. We see this most obviously with the transgenderism movement where men try to become women and women try to become men. But we also see it in the topics of everyday life of people just saying things like, you know, I'm tired of working, so I'm going to kill myself. You're trying to assert reality, assert dominance over reality. And this is a real problem. But where, where is this headed? Where is the end goal? Well, the end goal is plugging ourselves into the machine. Because we, we want this perfect life without suffering. And so how do we get that? Well, the only way is like the matrix. Is you plug yourself into the machine and they feed you dopamine they feed you this life that seems to be perfect, and people will go for it. And people will buy in. They'll put on the VR goggles, they'll plug themselves in, and they'll be gone. This is where we're headed. But there's steps along the way that go to this. For instance, I was watching this video of these new bionic arms, these new prosthetic arms. And the problem with the transhumanist movement is a lot of these ideas are not bad in and of themselves. These are actually good in and of themselves. Like, for instance, the, these prosthetic arms are made to help people who have their arms cut off, blown off, soldiers who have their arms blown off, uh, people who are born without limbs. And so these prosthetic arms are built for those kind of people. But what's going to happen? These new prosthetic arms that I saw that were being advertised on YouTube are incredibly impressive. They're able to punch through glass they're able to reach their hand into fire and not be hurt. And this is where we're at today. Five years down the road, where are we going to be? These prosthetic arms are going to be more powerful, be lighter, stronger, faster, better than a human arm, better in the in certain sense. And so I imagine, and now they're able to start putting in things that simulate feeling. You're able to have a sensation of you're grabbing something. That was kind of a problem with some of the older prosthetic arms is often people would drop things because they didn't realize it was in their hand. And now they're able to, to correct that. And that's good. These are good things. But what's going to happen? You're going to start having elective surgery of people chopping off their arms and replacing them with robotic arms. Now people would say, Adrian, that's crazy. Who would do something like that? Do you not see people who are already chopping off their healthy breast? People who are chopping off their genitalia? People who are doing all sorts of things. How about, and this people will get mad at me about, in a more simple level, people don't like their hair color, they dye it. The people will permanently dye their hair. People will do things to their body. They'll wear fake contacts to change the color of their eyes. People will get nose jobs because they don't like the shape of their nose. People do all sorts of surgeries and, and things to change the way they look because they don't like the way they look up to the point of surgery. And you think that people won't chop off their arms to get an enhanced arm? Or what about eyes? People are talking about these things being able to bypass the eyes to be able to fix people who are blind. And this is great. This is good news. And so what happens, though, when it gets to the point where they have robotic eyes to help people who are blind? that work better than human eyes. You're able to zoom in. You're able to see further away. Maybe you're able to see different light spectrums. Maybe you're able to see infrared. Maybe you could take pictures with your eyes. And then 
do you not see that people might be able to say, people might think, oh, I would like to remove my eyes, replace them with robotic ones, and then I can change my eye color whenever I want. I can change the way my eyes look. These are going to happen. It's going to happen. It's not a slippery slope argument. And so what do we have to do? What's the solution? Well, one, we need to have a correct anthropology. We talked about this a little bit with Dave Palmer last week. We have to have a correct anthropology. If we don't know what it means to be human and why we are human, well, we're going to try to transcend humanity. And this ends where you have already Elon Musk trying to put computer chips in our brains to say like, oh, we need to have access to the internet in our heads. We have AI in our heads. This can only end badly. This can only end badly. So yeah, is there positive use? Yeah, he's talking about Elon Musk is saying that the Neuralink put into people's heads will actually be able to help certain people who have spinal injuries and not able to walk be able to walk again because people lose the signal to their backs, to their spines, which paralyzes them. He said with these Neuralinks, you're going to be able to make people walk again. Well, this is good, but it's not going to end there. It's not going to end there. It's going to become elective. It's going to become cosmetic, and people are going to completely change who they are and what they are, or at least they're going to attempt to. Obviously, of course, you can never really do that. And the end result is people trying to upload their bodies, their brains into the machine. The problem is they don't know what a human is. A human being is a body-soul composite. You are your body and soul. And so if you upload the information in your brain, you don't have you. You are your body and soul. And so there is a TV show that came out. It's called Upload. It was, I think it's on Amazon Prime, if I'm not mistaken. And the premise of the show is you get uploaded. You upload your brain into the machine when at, whenever you're dying. And you can live out basically to eternity in the machine. And it's kind of paradise. Here's the problem. You're not actually alive in the machine. You're dead. If you upload your brain into the machine and your body dies, you are dead. There is going to be a machine uploaded that thinks it's you. It's going to have some information. And I, I'm skeptical if you could ever actually get that information and put it into anything. Uh, but presuming that we are able to do that, what you have is a machine that's going to think and pretend to be you, but it will not be you. It's kind of like those AI bots that people are uploading like tons of data of text messages, emails, conversations of loved ones, and the AI will pretend to be you. It's not you. It's a machine. It's a machine that's pretending to be you. And this is where we're headed if we don't start to speak out against it. There has to be morality clauses that are put into place and do not allow these things. Just like we don't let scientists, which I'm sure it's happening in other places in the world, and maybe even here, where we don't allow people to experiment on humans and to clone human beings, so too can we, we should say we cannot allow these kind of things to become elective. We cannot allow these things to happen. We can have these as restorative surgeries. We can allow these things for certain circumstances, but we cannot let it get to the point where people are just coming out and doing these things to, them, to their bodies, destroying them, because it ends very badly. And I'm saying this now, and people think I'm crazy, and I'm, I feel like I'm the only person in the Catholic commentary sphere, or just commentary sphere in general. I don't, I don't hear it from anybody 
talking about where the trans movement ends. And this is where it ends. This is the final place that it goes. Now, maybe we'll never get there. I pray that Our Lady will send her chastisement. Uh, the reign of Mary will come. And that will happen eventually. Will it happen before all these things happen? Mm, I tend to think so. I tend to think so. I think Our Lady is going to have the chastisement that we deserve. And the chastisement is, in fact, a mercy. It's kind of like if you have a child who misbehaves. If you don't chastise the child, the child will continue with his bad behavior and his whole life will be bad. His whole life will be bad because he doesn't know how to act. He doesn't know how to behave. And it creates a bad life. So too, Our Lady's chastisement will lead us to the reign of Mary. It'll lead us to a holy life. It'll lead us to heaven. So let's pray for the coming chastisement. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. <laughs> it's a much more warm and open place. And God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. your cabin speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the lives of the saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Your 24-hour-a-day source of Catholic inspiration. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Okay, and um, I'm going to just start speaking because there's no sound. Okay, there it is. And we're back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It is Wednesday. So welcome back. Now, you know, 
Before we jump into this conversation, I wanted to talk about Saint Days, but I also wanted to mention some good news. As reported by Timcast News, multiple businesses rescind recently reintroduced mask mandates. National healthcare company backtracked on its forced masking policy after people simply refused to comply. This is really good. This is really good news. This tells us that our actions matter. That if you just say, you know what, I'm not going to comply. I'm not going to just do whatever the government tells me to do. I'm not going to just do whatever the people in charge tell me to do. Then they're going to turn it back around. They're not going to be able to enforce it because then they have two options. Either the company and the government, your, your actual state, your country, will look really, really bad because they're putting out rules and laws that they're not able to enforce, which makes the leadership look really, really bad. Or they can simply rescind the order and then keep a public face because then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just changed our mind on that. And so they look better. They look better because otherwise they're, they're like, oh, man, we nobody respects our authority. So if you just simply say, look, this is a ridiculous law, so I'm not going to follow it. This came whenever a California Lionsgate film studio rescinded a forced masking policy. This was the mask policy. It said employees must wear a medical grade face mask when indoors, except when alone in an office with the door closed, actively eating, actively drinking at their desk or workstation. And if they are only individual present in a large open workspace. Days later, the company reversed course and they blamed the government officials. The studio said that it was told by L.A. County Department of Public Health to put a, ma a mask mandate in place following a handful of positive COVID tests among staff. So I'm curious to know how this plays out for L.A. as a whole. The fact that even in a California film studio, people are resisting is a very, very positive sign. It's very good news. We need more and more people to do so. And I'm very curious to see how this plays out in California as a whole, and specifically how L.A., how their county Department of Public Health reacts to this. If people are not listening to them, it would be the wisest thing for them to rescind their mask policy because it is simply going to make them look really bad. Now, on to this story, and I want to talk about this a little bit, have a little bit of a discussion. Um, and I'm curious if you are listening to uh, leave send me an email about what your thoughts are about this or better yet if you could hop onto our social platforms and leave a comment I'd be very very curious here's a question do you celebrate saint days do you celebrate your name day do you know what saint you're named after are you named after a saint at all and it's funny because I saw this article from 1 Peter 5 it's really great Matthew Please has been writing several articles on forgotten customs of saint days He's kind of writing these kind of articles on bringing back Catholic culture. And I really like it. And it just so happened that a couple of days ago, my friend Andrew had uh, texted me and goes, you know, what happens if your parents had no intention of naming you after a saint? And there's many saints with the same name as you. What do you do? And I was like, well, you know, I think intention does in fact matter. I think if your parents intended to name you after a particular saint, well, then that's the saint that has that you is your patron. But 
if you don't have a saint name, if you don't have, if you weren't named after a saint specifically, your parents didn't have that intention, but you coincidentally are named after a saint, well then just adopt one. Just say, hey, you know what? I have an affinity for this particular saint. We share a name. I am adopting that person as my patron. You also, of course, have your confirmation name and hopefully your baptismal name. And so these are things that you have as well. Now, for instance, my name being Adrian, my parents did not really name me after St. Adrian, but it's coincidental or providential that I was named after St. Adrian, who happens to have the same feast day as me, as my birthday. Was he a Dominican? He was not. Oh. He was not. He was an early church martyr. We don't really know much about him. He was a uh, Roman. He was a Roman soldier. He would have been one. He would have been. He would have been. (laughs) That's so true. That's so true. And so uh, March 5th is a feast of St. Adrian. Happens to be my birthday. Really? Yep. No way. Yep. That's cool. So it's pretty awesome. Well, today I found out that that uh, there is a Saint Rudolph, so that's close enough to me. Uh, Rudolph being, I think, the Germanic way of saying Rodolfo, which I think is, I don't know, maybe Italian or something. I would have guessed Spanish, but... It- but uh, his feast day is on October 17th, and I'm just reading through the, uh, the description here, which is really short. It says here, his, his term as bishop was characterized for its remarkable charity, and that's it. It doesn't say anything else. Uh, Very remarkable. Kind of really don't like when they do that. <laughs> I, I want to know <laughs> what charitable acts he did, you know, and, but uh, I guess it's lost to time. You know, it's funny. I, I, this, I feel the same way whenever I see things like, this saint lived a saintly life. I'm like, no kidding. Really? <laughs> wow. Like, give me give me some more details. You got any more details wanna, for me? I want to emulate this saint. Mm-hmm. You know? I want to know about what he did. What, what was he thinking? Was there a journal? Uh, nowadays, I think modern saints, you know, you probably have everything they ever thought because, yeah. you know, if they had social media, they would post it on oh, Twitter. Oh, man. <laughs> there won't be any more saints. After <laughs> <laughs> this, no more. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I'm like, I told I told my friends, um, I was like, guys, whenever I die in your charity, do not try to open a cause for canonization for me. <laughs> like, please don't. I do not need people pulling up my tweets, my Facebook posts, my uh, everything I've ever written. No, Definitely don't go up to Rudy and ask him. Yeah, don't ask Rudy. <laughs> don't talk to my friends. Don't talk to my family. And vice versa. Don't go to Adrian exactly. uh, for my cause. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, one of my friends said, Adrian. I'm going to open a cause of canonization for you just to make you mad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this uh, 1 Peter 5 article from Matthew, please, he says, Another way we can restore Catholic culture is by celebrating our names days. Turning again to the wisdom of Father Weiser, we learn, quote, It was a general custom before the Reformation, uh, the Protestant Revolution, and still is in Catholic countries to celebrate not so much the birthday, but rather the feast of the saint whose name was received in baptism. This baptismal saint is considered a special and personal patron all through life. Children are made familiar with this, the history and legend of their own saint, are inspired by his life and example, pray to him every day, and gratefully accept his loving help in all their needs. It's a beautiful custom, this close relationship of an individual to his personal patron saint in heaven. Now, it's cool that he says this because my friend Timothy, Timothy Craig, he actually we had a huge party for his son's saint day, his baptismal day. On his baptismal day, we had a huge party. And he kind of, he still celebrates his son's birthday, but the baptismal day is a bigger celebration in his house for his son. And I think that's a pretty awesome tradition, a very awesome thing to do 
way to celebrate, to make something holy out of your baptismal day. It kind of sets in motion the fact that our spiritual lives matter. You're, the day you were baptized is a big deal. It's the day you were reborn into new life. And so that's something that we should do. Learn when your baptismal day is and say, okay, well, let's have a celebration that day. Let me have a little bit of celebration. And imagine how cool it'll be. I mean, kind of a, a gospel witness, kind of a message that you can give out to your friends. If you say, if you send out a, a invitation one day to your friends, say, hey, guys, uh, you should come over. I'm having a, a celebration for my baptismal day. And you say, like, okay, we're going to get um, put on, uh, put some, uh, some cornhole and we're going to have some drinks and barbecue and have people over and we're going to have a little bit of fun. And the, the reason for getting together is your baptismal day. What an awesome opportunity to celebrate and to evangelize. And people are going to, they're going to say, what? Your baptismal day? Why, why are you celebrating your baptismal day? And you'd be like, well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you why I'm celebrating my baptismal day. And I think that's an awesome thing to do. And if you don't have um, your a saint day, your name after your saint, well, then adopt a saint. You should have a confirmation saint, probably, likely. It's not a requirement for confirmation, but it's the custom in America. So most people have saint names after for their confirmation saint. Celebrate that day. Celebrate that day. Make it special. Do something special. And here's two ways to celebrate. One, do something special for that saint. Make a trip to Holy Mass. Go to adoration. If there's a particular place of pilgrimage or statue of that person in your area, well, make that small little pilgrimage down to that parish and leave some flowers by the statue. Do something nice for your saint. And then have a little bit of, a, of maybe get some ice cream on that day. Uh, treat yourself to your favorite meal or do a little something with your family. And if you have kids, do something great. Do something awesome. So they associate fun, family, friends, faith, all with your saint. All these things can be known together. It's kind of like how a friend of mine was telling me how she always takes her kids to confession once a month, and then they go and get ice cream afterwards as like a, a celebration to be like, hey, we, uh, we're clean. We've all gone to confession, and now we celebrate because we are, are back in communion with God. We've made restitution, and we're strengthened in virtue, strengthened in virtue, and they have this little bit of celebration. And I think that's really awesome. I think it's a great opportunity. Do you do any of these things, Rudy, with your family? Yeah, actually, we celebrate our baptismal anniversaries. Uh, so on those days, we renew our baptismal promises, and we also celebrate something like that. So, you know, we typically have a dessert or something like that just to to make those days special. You know, when you're a kid, you remember, you know, uh, your birthdays because everybody gathers around and sings happy birthday to you around the birthday cake, right? I mean, that's one of the most memorable, memorable things that you can have. And I think we need to do that as well for these days because they're a lot more important or, you know, or just as important as uh, the day that we celebrate somebody's birth. Um, the day that we enter into the church is really, you know, one of the most important days, if not the most important days of our life, a day of our life, you know, and, and, and that I think we need to bring that back. As a Catholic culture, we need to bring it back. Now, 
you mentioned uh, on your birthday, people sing happy birthday. So what would you sing on your uh, baptismal day? Happy Saints Day to you. Happy <laughs> Saints Day to you. <laughs> Taking a page here out of EWTN's uh, uh, kids uh, series, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Friar, the Friar, which I highly recommend. It's uh, actually filmed in, in Spain and it's dubbed in English, but uh, I would check that out. You could find that on YouTube, The Friar EWTN. Ugh, I love that show. It's so good if you have kids. That's so funny. That's <laughs> hilarious. I, you know what I was going to say? Yeah, what would you say? I was going to say, you line them up and you stand in front of the Statue of Our Lady and you say, Credo in unum deum. And you start <laughs> chanting the creed. <laughs> I was teaching my daughter the other day how to chant the Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the people who go to the Sharp Pilgrimage, uh, they, they chant it a certain way. The one that's like, uh, Ave Maria, grazia plena. Yeah, so I love that one. too. I love that one. Yeah, so I was teaching her how to how to uh, how to chant that, and you know she picks up songs really quickly, but uh, for whatever reason she wasn't singing it. And uh, yesterday we were just sitting around the couch, and all of a sudden she started singing it. So it was incredible. <laughs> you know, it's funny because we were just talking about this with um, with Mr. Alvaro when he was here. A music. Really, like it gets it gets stuck in your head. Yeah, it does. It gets stuck in your head. And what do you want stuck in your kid's head? Like you Britney Spears, things. yeah, Michael Jackson, and the uh, the Eagle. I don't know. I don't even know. What, I can't even name anybody who's popular right now. I'm to, right. I don't know. <laughs> Tame Impala. Um, <laughs> but why not get the yeah. Ave Maria? Yeah, you know that was one of the things. It was a, a weird moment that I had the other day. I thought, wow, uh, you know, she knows all of the nursery rhymes now, but. She doesn't know any of the liturgical songs. That's mm. kind of a problem. It's also partially because we go to a, a low mass, because uh, mm. we go to the mm-hmm. traditional land mass, but we go to the low mass, and there's no music in the low mass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking, ah, oh, maybe we should go to a high mass. You know, they have the music. They have beautiful chant. They have all those hymns. those wonderful hymns, mm-hmm. uh, the traditional hymns. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, You know, if you have kids, you certainly want to 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 instill in them the beauty of the church, you know, and, and, and why not start with, with chant or with uh, some of the hymns? Amen. Amen. Yeah, there you go. So there is a opportunity today yeah. to start a new tradition in your house. And it's not a new tradition. You're restoring an ancient tradition, restoring old traditions and making them ours again. We're not creating something new. We're restoring the Catholic faith. Now... Let's jump into our game show, Fear and Trembling. You could be a winner. How, you may ask? Well, it's simple. Pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That number one last time. Dial now. We always take the first caller. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Hello, this is with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no commentary needed. 
there. Secondly, you're going to walk. The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes. Every Sunday at Mass, that's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. And the trick is here that you don't even need to know the answers. It's really simple. The game is really easy to play. If you've never tuned in before, let me tell you the rules. Here I have three Catholic trivia questions. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. It's your job to give me an answer. And the trick is because I'm not asking you, there's a 50-50 chance of you getting the question correct, even if you just guess. It's a yes or no question for you. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Thanks be to God this week. We are giving away a book. The Synodal Process is a Pandora's box. It's a question and answer book with a foreword by Cardinal Raymond Burke, and it's meant to answer the most pertinent questions regarding the upcoming Synod of Synodality. And it was generously given to us uh, by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. That's a long name, otherwise known as the TFP, who we love very much. Thank you, you so go. much. Oh, thank you very much to the American Society for Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. Whew, that is a long name. <laughs> Wasn't it longer, too? Yeah, I don't I know. it was longer. I think that's it. I think that's it. Mm. But the uh, yeah, the book is excellent. Highly recommend. I've read it. And if you win, uh, we will give you not just one copy, but we'll give you a couple copies. Just let us know. Say, hey, I got uh, three people here that I want to give it to, and we'll send you a few copies. So let us know. And that's going to be the prize for this week. Now, joining us right now is Lee. Good morning to you, Lee. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Praise be to God. I'm, uh, one, one might say I'm too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. If grace was money, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's good. Where are you calling from, Lee? I'm calling from Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> All right. Awesome. We love Alabama. You know, I've never been to Alabama. Alabama. I will be in October, though. Yeah, I will yeah. as well. Oh. That's are you be awesome. in Birmingham? Yeah. Actually, we yeah, will be. We will be. 
Yeah, we're going over for well, a radio conference there. But uh, if you want to give us a tour of the Chattahoochee, we'll gladly <laughs> oblige. I'd like to see that river. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, I'm more of a library museum person, but oh, okay. I'd love to meet y'all in person. Well, oh, let's, yeah, we'll nice. see what we can do. Yeah, we'll maybe. see what we can do in October. And well, uh, I've library museum. Now my interest has peaked. What is a what is a library museum in Alabama? No, a library or a museum. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I was like, library, there is comma. Oh, yeah. my mistake. I was thinking, yeah, I was like, comma. man, a Sorry. a museum of libraries. That's I mean, I would enjoy that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nerd. <Yeah. laughs> well, praise be to God, Lee. That's awesome. I, I love that. I'm more of a library and museum person myself. That's typically what I do uh, whenever I go places. And um, I'm always like, what do people, what do normal people do on vacation? Whenever I go on vacation, I'm always like looking for the churches, looking for the museums, and that's about it. And I'm like, what do normal people do? I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't know. That's what I do too. So, so we're kindred spirits, Lee. We're kindred spirits. Now, I guess so, right? Now, Lee, you're familiar with the game. You know how to play? Yes. Perfect, perfect. And you have been listening for a long time, so you know. That Rudy can be tricky, so you got to keep your ears tuned. Hmm. Hmm. Are, ready, are you ready I'm, to jump I'm, in? I'm, I'm, I'm ready. All right, let's hmm. jump into it. Rudy, are you ready? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that as a sign of disrespect from you, Adrian. Oh, yeah? Call me tricky like that? I am calling you tricky. It's, it's your middle name, no? Wow. Rudy Tricky Carlos? Yeah, look, that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> well. St. Tricky? St. Tricky or a Pronobius. Uh, what if there was? I, what if there, I feel like they, they got, there's some saints with some really strange names. I bet you there's some saint out there that has a name similar to that. Um, anyway, what, why are we off on this tangent? The question on the board is, name three traditional practices of penance. Three? Three. Okay, number one, you take a quarter whips. Okay. You whip yourself in the back. Right. Number two is you go to a donut shop, mm-hmm. but you don't pick the one that you want. Oh. You pick the one that you would least like. Oh. And then number three is when you're driving down the highway, you let people actually come into the lane. No, dude. Those are three traditional forms of piety, of, of actual penance. Yeah. Wow. My... St. Francis I, did them, actually. I, I'm infuriated just thinking about the things you just Saint said. St. Dominic actually did them. St. Dominic, really? Yeah. Truly. Amazing. Except back then they had chariots. So, oh, yeah. you okay. let the chariot come into the lane. I'm impressed. I didn't know Saint Dominic rode chariots. All right, Lee. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is: Name three traditional practices of penance. Rudy says one: You use the discipline on your back. You scourge yourself. Two: You let people cut you off on the highway, or I mean, or off the road with your chariot. And three: When you're at the donut shop, pick. The jelly donut. I mean, the least your least favorite donut, and uh, that's the. Uh, are that is that right or is that wrong? Leave fifteen seconds on the clock. I'm gonna say wrong. What? what? Let's check. Survey says that is correct. <laughs> uh, no, if you get the jelly donut, that is a great great penance though. I don't. Since like Lee donuts. Lee is a saint, none of these things are penances for her. Right. She does them just by default. <laughs> She's that virtuous. The correct answer is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Those are the traditional forms. Is that of what they? Oh, yeah, yeah. Dang, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. It's not. It's not. Um, say something nice to your parents. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one penance I got one time. I was like, the, the priest yeah. is like, do something nice for your mom. That could be reparation, though. It definitely could be reparation. Mm. But I'm like, father, 
what does that mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> if I say a prayer for her, is that considered doing something nice for her? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. It's like, so I did the dishes. So oh, there you go. Okay. All right. All right, Lee. Are you ready for question number two? I'm ready. Okay. Um, this question here, let's see if you know your U.S. Catholic history. All right, Rudy. What is the oldest cathedral in the United States that's still in use today? Okay, so the oldest cathedral is St. Louis Cathedral in Louisiana. Louisiana, you say? Yes. L.A. The initials yes, for Louisiana but is not LA. Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> I get, you know, it throws me off all the time when I see L.A. on something, and I'm like, L.A. Mm, Los Angeles? And Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, mm, they mean Louisiana. They mean the Louisiana. The oldest cathedral in L.A. is now a restaurant. Is it really? Yeah. Dang, that's rough. Mm-hmm. That is rough. Mm-hmm. All right, Lee, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what is the oldest cathedral in the U.S. still in use today? Well, Rudy thinks it's St. Louis Cathedral in Louisiana. What do you think, Lee, from Alabama? I don't actually know the answer to that, but I'm going to say based on history of what I know of the Spaniards and the settling of America, I'm going to say yes. All right, let's check. Survey says that is wow. correct, Lee. Way to go. Though I think it was the French who uh, who put set up the cathedrals the French, there okay. in Louisiana. But same concept, God. though. Yeah, same concept. They did a great Missionary job. Work. They have a they made, apparently they did a cathedral that lasted till today. So praise be to God for that. Um, it's pretty awesome. And Louisiana, honestly, is so beautiful. Like there is just like there's so much debauchery that goes on in in New Orleans. But I love New Orleans. Whenever I go, the, all these cathedrals, these churches, so beautiful. The saints walk the streets of Louisiana. The franchise restaurants that they have, like Pope Yes, <laughs> they have fantastic chicken there. By yeah, the way. Pope Yes Pope is yes my is favorite chicken place. I mean, Popeyes. Oh, yes. <laughs> but no, yeah, Louisiana is a great place. I love Louisiana. I'd love to go back to New Orleans. I probably, I, I, I might go to New Orleans for Holy Week. I try to go. They, the TFP, do a massive. Um, procession in new orleans on holy week so i may do that again this next year uh, but way to go lee you're two for two 100 success rate the question is though are you ready for question number three i'm ready all right i'm looking at this question and this might be the hardest question we've ever had on the history of fear and trembling are you are you sure you're ready um i'm ready all right confidence calm Courage and confidence. That's what I hear out of Lee. That's what I hear. All right, Rudy, the question is, how many Swiss guards are there? Okay, so the Vatican took a page from the Alamo. Okay. And they said, we don't need as many men as we I remember they used to the have Alamo. a couple thousand, right? And then they're like, let's, let's trim it down. This is the mm. Alamo here. This mm. is the Vatican City. 110 plus six officers. So in total, 116. Okay. And you're saying that's how many were at the Alamo? Well, sort of. Okay. They I, didn't have as many. You, you're you're like in a in a, in a um, the oh man, my brain just went out the door. There's the <laughs> Mitch McConnell <laughs> moment. <laughs> There's the um, the his, not the historical critical method. I'm thinking of. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Forget it doesn't it. matter. Forget it. My brain is out the window. <laughs> it's out the window. All right. 15 seconds of the clock, Lee. The question on the board is, how many Swiss guards are there? Rudy says there are 110 plus. There are six officers making 116 in total. What say you, Lee, from 
Birmingham, Alabama. Well, what are they guarding? They're guarding the Pope. Oh, they're guarding the Pope. Okay. Um, I'm just going to go with true. I'm, I have no idea. All right. Let's see. That's a bold claim right there. Let's check to see if you are right. Survey says... You are correct, Lee. Way to go. Uh, Rudy couldn't trick you with the Alamo comments. <laughs> and um, I still cannot think of what I was trying to say a second ago. The dynamic equivalence translation. That's what I was going to say. There you go. Of course. There you dynamic go. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. Well, very good, Lee. Praise be to God. How do you feel? Uh, great. I would love to win those books. Well, there you go. Praise be to God. Well, you have your name yeah. in the coffee cup three times to win the prize this week, so way to go. Uh, we will st- well, make sure you stay on the line so we can make sure to get your contact information so we can send you the books should we draw your name out on Friday. Okay, thank you so much, and let me know when you come to Birmingham. I'd love to meet y'all. For sure, for sure. Going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we'd love to have you. Simply hop on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, Facebook, and we love to interact with you right there. Just look up Catholic Drive Time in any of our platforms and leave a comment. We're going to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. If not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. And welcome back to the after show. Kind of quiet in the chat today. Uh, I guess we had a few more people on, but we kicked them off because our stream went down. Uh, still working out the kinks. I don't know what happened. Don't know what happened. But it seems to be working now. We, we've gone over an hour now without a problem. So I guess things are better. I don't know. I don't know. Always, everywhere, every day problems i think by next monday i'm sure everything will be ironed out but thank you guys for sticking with us i appreciate the help uh annette asked a couple questions in our private telegram chat rudy already answered them but i'm sure other people have the same questions so i'll read that out annette said adrian can you give the name that you quote cornelius i'm curious who he is thanks his name is cornelius a lapide a being the middle, and I guess a middle initial, or maybe it's like, I don't know, a signifier for, I don't know. I don't know what the A stands for. It's probably like a, uh, or something like that. I don't know. But it's Cornelius A. Lapide is the way it's spelled. And he is a biblical commentator uh, known as the greatest commentator on the Holy Scriptures. It's, he's put up there with St. Thomas Aquinas and St. John Chrysostom. I believe one day he'll be a saint. He was a Jesuit. I believe it was 1600s. I'm going off of memory. He's going to have in the 1600s. Incredible Jesuit. Yes. Back when the Jesuits were great. Listen, man, I loved Jesuits. Yeah. Me too. I, yeah. I mean, despite the fact that the most recent Jesuits are just like terrible. But yeah. 
Yeah, the old school le- uh, Jesuits were amazing. Pretty classic. Yeah. Uh, and they also asked Rudy, what was the encyclical? The encyclical was Casti Canubi. Was that on YouTube? No, you already answered it in the private Telegram chat. I just said, I figured... Other people might have the same question. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll I'll drop the link again. If you're on YouTube, you know the link is there, but I don't actually have access to Rumble and the other ones. So let me send you the link, Adrian. Yeah. I don't know if you're logged in here. Let me see. I can just copy it from the Telegram chat. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah, it's a great. It's a short read too, and uh, you know if you're interested in encyclicals, uh, don't read them on the Vatican website. Because they have this like cheesy early '90s background. It's like a textured <laughs> background, really hard to read. This website yeah, called uh, papalencyclicals.net. It actually has reader view on uh, on mobile. So if you want to read it on your iPad or you know your tablet or your phone, you can actually turn on reader mode and, and just scroll through it. And this is a, a really short read. I think I got through it in like two days, but it's. Uh, it's uh, a lot of information here that is just so so pertinent to the family for people preparing for uh, holy matrimony, uh, and and uh, the reason I mentioned it today is because it, it talks about some of the burdens to uh, to a good holy marriage, which is uh, you know working too much or not having a job that can provide for both of you. Mm-hmm. It's only a hundred and thirty paragraphs, so it's yeah. pretty short. It's not, really not one hundred thirty pages. One hundred thirty. It took paragraphs. two days for me because I'm a slow reader. There you go. I had to read this. I had a, I took a course on theology of the body when I was in college, and we had to read Cassie Canubi. It was one of the assignments. And honestly, I think Cassie Canubi is better than Humane Vitae, in my opinion. And they kind of put them together, and they're like, Humane Vitae is in the spirit of Cassie Canubi. I think Cassie Canubi is a lot better, in my personal opinion. Uh, also, if you would want... If you go on YouTube and look up Cassie Canubi, you can actually find people who read it to you online if you just want to listen to it. Mm. And the recordings are the longest one here is two and a half hours. The shortest one is an hour and 57 minutes. So really short. Hello, Alberto. Really short. There you go, folks. Oh, let's see. How are things across the pond? Is Piri Gale a new listener or is that a return listener? Is that transhumanism is not going to work. We don't have to worry about it. Um, you say that, you say that. I think, um, in the sense that people being plugged into the machine and actually doing that, obviously that won't work. It just can't work. But the people chopping off their body parts and replacing them with robotic body parts, that will happen. It will happen. Yeah. Like I'm going to do it tomorrow. I mean, yeah, he's already, I'm going to get my gamer skills back. I mean, there's already jokes where people are like, I'm a cyborg because they have like metal plates throughout their body. Um, and that's like. Obviously restorative. It's obviously restorative. So that's the that's perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that these things are possible, and it's only going to become cosmetic later on. Aitna says it's cool here. Aitna, you're in. Uh, you're you're not in uh, not Belfast. You're in. Uh, oh, it's the city that I like the most. Galway. You're in Galway, right? Alberto said. I, a lady said hola to me yesterday. What? That's crazy. Galway. Right. Oh, I wish I could be there. People speak people speak Spanish in, in England? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It's the second language after <laughs> Arabic. <laughs> after, oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, pretzel uh, says LA equals lower Alabama. Stop the mm. I-10. So there you go. 
different depending on where you're at and your kind of crowds you run in la means different things to different people you know my wife packed a lunch for me today but i really want to go to culver's oh awkward or culver's oh that sounds good yeah uh let's see harder down under said it's relevant what the quote culture says i make it my point to say hello to male passerbys but not to females i know that many men struggle with mental health so a kind word can keep them alive yeah for sure a kind word honestly saves lives i mean so many stories are people are like like today when i get home from work i'm gonna kill myself and then someone says or does something nice for them and they decide not to kill themselves yeah. uh, so smile uh, be nice to people it's it's okay Oliver Anthony, you mentioned that the you know if, if a guy was crying on the on a you know, park bench or something and people would ignore him, I think Oliver Anthony would come up and be like, "Hey, brother." Yeah, he how seems you like doing? kind of guy. He does seem like that kind of guy. A very burly. He seems like a jolly, jolly. It's interesting to see how many uh, of these these like talking heads or just like YouTube commentators or I don't know what do you want to call them influencers, social media influencers have above. come up yeah. where. Uh, you know, they, they, they specifically talk to young men. Mm -hmm. I ran into one the other day. I can't remember what it's called, but some guy, he's just like an old timer. He's a farmer and he sits down in front of the camera and smokes a cigar or a pipe. And then he just talks about life and people are like, oh, life's hard. Or, you know, I, I don't have it figured out. I'm 20 years old. And I, my life is in shambles. And he's like, you don't have, of course you don't have it figured out. I'm 61. I've been married 20 years, and my wife and I don't have it figured out either. It's just there's so many of these uh, these accounts now. It's it's um, it seems like maybe more of a problem than we than we perceive it to be. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I worry sometimes for my daughters, and I, I'm not pushing them into into like the vocation of marriage. Actually, I would like them to have a religious vocation, but. You know, if they didn't have a religious vocation, they were called to marriage. I'm kind of worried a little bit about the pool, you know, the prospective pool for for, for men to come into the family. Uh, I don't know. Well, man. your daughters have a better chance because, I mean, in the circles that we're in. Yeah, and that's it, true. There's a lot of people our age that are raising sons and daughters. But at the same time, have you seen some of these boys? Like, That's true. That's true. I think it's definitely better. They don't even look you in the eye. No, I don't know. I, I don't know. The uh, maybe the okay. I, I run into. Okay, maybe I have high standards for a three-year-old. Okay. Yeah. All I right. Think, I think you do. I'm just admitting it. Sorry. I the maybe once they're older. The young, the young guys <laughs> shake your hand yeah, and say hello, yeah. sir. Yeah. Wait till they get yeah. a little bit older. Yeah. A two-year-old boy, a three-year-old boy. Is gonna, <laughs> gonna be a little mess. <laughs> but I know there. I know a lot of the the parents to a lot of these young kids, and they're they're good kids. They're they're and they're they're going to be raised well, so I have a lot of hope for these kind of crowd. Um, the harder thing is people our age. Um, it's just less less people that are even wanting to be virtuous, uh, better yet, actually are virtuous. It's very hard. But speaking of which, they one of my friends um, was putting this post uh, from Saint John the Cross, and Saint John the Cross said, um, "Do you wish to develop?" And he's kind of, he mad, mashed uh, uh, John of the Cross's words with his own. And he says, do you wish to develop an adamantian will? Wrestle with these maxims and make them your own. Anyone who complains or grumbles is not perfect, nor even a good Christian. And conquering the tongue is better than fasting on bread and water. Mm. We must be slow to speak. Problem I have, I have to be slow to speak. 
I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> it might be the after show, oh, man. but maybe not. <laughs> no, no, I was going to make a, my good morning to you. I was going to make a joke about you. It's <laughs> okay. It's okay. Uh, the, um, no, but this is good because, yeah, because we're talking about like complaining. Like, yeah, this whole thing about the manosphere, it's a lot of complaining, but it's because they don't have Christian culture. They're just guys that are beaten down by society and they don't know. They don't, they don't have any examples and people will hate on, and I get it. I understand the, the anti-Andrew Tate position in a just society. Then, yeah, I would be like 100% on board. Yeah, get rid of Andrew Tate. He's not a good example. But when you the two options for culture is complete disregard of men, the, the denigration of men, and men killing themselves, and Andrew Tate saying, hey, you can actually lift weights and act like a man and do, so, do things to make yourself better – then I'm like, yeah, like I, obviously I don't, I don't want you to end there. I don't want you to stop there, but it's a good place to start. It's at least getting you off the, um, <laughs> off the rope. And I think it's, it's really, I mean, so many people I talk to. So, and the reason why I think here's a difference. I run in circles of young men of various, um, and various spheres. And so I have friends who are young men who are more similar to myself. And I have friends who are young men who are more secular. And I've talked to young men who've said that Andrew Tate has changed their lives for the better. And they'll tell you, yeah, yeah, I get it. I think Andrew Tate's not great anymore because they converted to the Catholic faith. But, like, but you don't realize, like, I was, like, really down bad. And Andrew Tate really helped me. And I'm like, yeah, like, I mean, that, I mean, that's the thing. And I mean, but if you're older and you don't really get it, you don't realize how bad it is for young men today. Well, then they, I understand. I mean, I mean, get it. Yeah, you don't. You, know, you say, "Oh, just get rid of that guy." But it's, if that's the only person saying anything, we we need more people, not less people, uh, speaking out on these topics. Yeah, I agree. And and you know, God can use so many people, despite you know where they are, for 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 some good. You know, God God is able to use the imperfect to bring about something good. And so if Andrew Tate is the guy that helps you to not be a slave to your passions and kind of move you in that direction, well, you know, it might, be just, it might just be a stepping stone, you know. And uh, I agree with you, Adrian. You know, we have, to, we have to kind of, you know, we have to speak about these things. So it's not just Andrew Tate that they're uh, coming across, but they could find, you know, maybe him as a stepping stone to something— that's Catholic. It's yeah. authentic to yeah. to the soul. Something that that actually speaks to their psyche, um, and and doesn't just leave them in a secular p- position where it's just worldly things that that are helping this person to move along. You know. Yeah, especially whenever you see the alternative of male examples is things like what Tom Cruise is what like these uh, celebrities at Hollywood, uh, these uh, these musicians at uh, these rock stars. Like if you have a, if I had to choose, because I mean, here's the thing, obviously if I get to choose someone, I'm like, Hey, if this person says, I want one person to be my example of masculinity and you, whatever you say, I would do that one. I'd be like, Jesus Christ. All right. We're good to go. But obviously the situation is as such that we don't do that. The question is about popularity in the culture and what's popular in the culture is these either rock stars, movie stars, YouTube stars. And the YouTube crowd is just like streamers, gamers, video people who play video games and all these other things. And then you have Andrew Tate's in that somehow broke through all that and made a name for himself. And so I think it's interesting to see that kind of thing there where there's actual some 
natural virtue there. Now, obviously, he doesn't have supernatural virtue, which also I found out recently his brother is actually a um, Coptic Orthodox mm-hmm. or something like that. Something, maybe Syriac Orthodox, something like that. And uh, I was very intrigued by that. I was like, that's interesting that he, that Tate, Andrew Tate became Muslim and his brother went back to his uh, Orthodox faith. And so the answer is we want them to both become Catholic. And I think if they became Catholic, especially Andrew Tate, they would do such good for the world because mm. they already have the platform and they could lead the people in that direction. Um, Peary said, that's right. Jordan Peterson was my stepping stone. Now I'm seriously practicing Catholic faith in the FSSP. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Jordan Peterson is another one. I have a lot of friends like my friend Josh, huge Jordan Peterson fan. Uh, he's less so now, but he was huge. Jordan Peterson was like the guy. And he and I started hearing Jordan Peterson. And this is when I was like in late college, and I was like, "Dude, this guy is a joke! Like, like what on earth? Like, he's not saying anything. He's saying a bunch of normal things. He's like, whatever. And he's like, has really bad takes on Christianity. He's like, oh yeah, it's a psychological yada yada yada. And I was like, very anti Jordan Peterson until I started meeting people who their entire lives changed because of Jordan Peterson. And I was like, okay, well, Jordan Peterson isn't the answer." But he's a great stepping stone for people getting on the right path. Yeah. Hey, we got uh, Eric Rodriguez here. He says, is this a new studio? He says there's no technical difficulties. Actually, there was there was a couple here, mm-hmm. but uh, we're still ironing them out. It is the first week. Uh, this is the new studio. We have not hung up our uh, artwork or positioned it uh, where we want it just yet. We're going to have a, a visitation of maybe, a, I wouldn't call it apostolic, <laughs> but one of our one of our leadership uh, is going gonna, is gonna to come into the studio and hang up some of the artwork here. And we still have to hang up our uh, our sound panels as well, but uh, we're trying to find some solutions there for uh, beautifying them because they're just kind of like black black panels. So we want to do something special. But uh, yeah, this is the new studio. You can see some of the new camera angles here. Um, you know, there's a couple of uh, elements too for production too that uh, we've incorporated in here. And uh, so if you like those things, let us know, and we'll. Uh, keep exploring and making new stuff. But uh, yeah, this is a new studio. It's exciting to be here. Um, I wish uh, maybe I'll, I'm going to put together a video talking about the the transformation of the studio because before it was just a very very interesting uh, setup, and now I think we're getting closer and closer for this marriage between radio and and uh, and actually live streaming some of these things. Uh, I think it's becoming a lot more interesting. Uh, and we're setting, I think, a standard for uh, for anyone else who's uh, trying to approach this situation, marrying two different mediums like this. Yeah, hopefully, we finish ironing out the problems. But yeah, today we have we are we got knocked off what once twenty after twenty after the hour. It could have been that uh, I don't know. I've, I've been monitoring the stream. It's been excellent. Yeah. So yeah, but since then, I we're think we might hour have, eighteen minutes in, we're good. Yeah, I think we might have accidentally hit the offline button. Mm. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's way better than the other day where we were dropping off every five minutes. But yeah, that was really annoying, really rough. So I'm glad it's working out better now. It's. Um, yeah, we let's see. The first video went up, and it was 35 minutes in, and we got knocked off. And so now there's two videos for today. Mm, is what it is. Yeah. But um, Mary says that uh, she wanted to share that the, the Wisconsin-based company 3M 
voluntarily implanting microchips in their employees. She says, I'm sorry if people don't like how I share things here that seldom get responded to anyway. Mary, don't be so self-deprecating here. Uh, it's just hard to read sometimes because the, the syntax here is a little strange on your comment. But wow, a 3M putting uh, microchips into their employees if they'd like. I uh, wonder what, that, what that's for. Is it for, for clocking in or uh, I don't know. What are they using these microchips for? Uh, Alberto says, I personally always followed Mr. Tate as my role model. Uh, <laughs> let's say he, uh, we have L Lenny. The problem is that both Peterson and Tate are dragging around a load of antiquated sexism and ideas about masculinity that are not the same uh, baggage the church refuses to deal with, not Christ-like. I don't know what you mean. The yeah, maybe expand on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean specifically? Because I also wouldn't put Peterson and Tate. I don't. I don't think they have the same problems. They have different problems. Um, what Peterson's issues are, in the same field, are not Andrew Tate's issues. They have different problems. So, I don't know which what quite what you quite mean. Uh, let's see. Antiquated sexism. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Mary. Um, you made a comment earlier. I think it was. Um, let me see. I wanted to get to. Because I the actually prior want to stream? talk about it. No, maybe maybe it was. It might have been the private stream. The yeah, you had a comment that was about the masks, and I wanted to actually. I saw that article, and I want to talk about it. it. May have been in the prior stream. The they found out recently that oh, there's chemicals in there's the masks. There's chemicals in yeah. the masks that are causing problems. And it's actually on my docket of things to talk about, but there's just so many stories. There's like tons of stories. And you gotta balance between like stories and honestly, I feel like cultural things are more important because yeah. it's things that we can actually affect our daily lives. Uh, but the masks do affect our daily lives, especially since everybody wore them. It does, right? And and masks are um they're they're prescribed to people as a way to prevent a disease. Now, we learned from the CDC themselves that after they backtracked, they said, no, actually, the masks don't really do anything. They don't actually help very much. But with any sort of medical, uh, you know, solution, there's always going to be a, uh, a drawback to what they do. Um, with the masks, for example, uh, you know, people put them on because they think they're not going to get sick. But what what actually, what do they open themselves up to by wearing the masks? Well, uh, they're getting less oxygen to their brain. So that's that's a huge detriment to, to, to consider. There's also the chemical components that are put into these masks. Do we actually believe that these things, uh, you know, they're not leaching off little fibers that you're breathing in? Uh, what's another one? Especially if you're wearing the same mask for days. Exactly. Uh, what's another one? What about the social, uh, the social the harm for kids with lear yeah. learning development? Yeah, the, the social implications of wearing a mask. So there, there's all of these things that we have to consider, and and the thing that bothers me the most about these solutions is that they 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 make them as if it's like the end all be all. You know, that's what it was. If you wanted to go shopping, if you wanted to buy anything, you had to wear the mask. And, and, and nobody wanted to consider the other things that were a detriment for you wearing a mask. And, and that's the, the thing that really that rubs me the wrong way about thinking back these past three years. I'm like, man, you know, now we're talking about this all over again. Did people forget what this was like? Did people not learn anything about 
uh, what those three years were like for people. I mean, I, I, I still have to sit down and write out what happened in these past three years so that I can, I can remember it and so that my kids can understand it and, and learn something from it. But it seems to me like we're, we haven't learned our lesson yet. We're talking about masks again. It's just insane. I, 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 can't, I can't imagine this is know, funny. what's going to be in the next five years. So I went to go look up this article and found the fact check on this topic. And it was says, uh, fact check, masks won't give you lung cancer. Some masks do include chemicals, though. And uh, the fact check is like, no, of course it doesn't give you um, cancer, yada, yada. And then it says, yes, ethanol oxide is used in sterilizing the surgical mask and are a known carcinogen claim that uh, has leads to uh, causing cancer, but it's not used in doses enough to give you cancer. It's within safe limits. So I'm like, so you're saying that the chemicals are there is what you're saying. Okay. There, I mean, it's the same, it's the same problem I have with, uh, with uh, extermination products, right? Mm-hmm. And like here, within here, safe limits. Yeah, here in Houston, like you have to exterminate your house, otherwise you're gonna get roaches like crazy. Because we live in a swamp. Um, and I would I would talk to exterminators, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's eco stuff. It's totally safe for humans." I'm like, "Dude, that is not true. Like, that's just that's patently false. There's always gonna be a cost to this. Yeah, maybe within safe limits, but according to who? According to these these so-called experts who want to sell long? it to you? Yeah, and for like, how long? If you get if you get exposed to it once, it's not going to kill you. But what about over a period of time? Sci-Fi Mike says, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am saying there's a chance. I remember really enjoying that movie when I was a kid, but I don't know if I could watch that again uh, as an Which adult. Uh, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, I've never seen Maybe it. Maybe with filters. I'm not sure. But that movie's hilarious. Um, it's a bit crass. Uh, let's see here. Eric says, uh, some people are still wearing the masks. Yep. I see that too. Um, Brooke says I never wore one only once when I had to go to the hospital for something unrelated. Um, I can't believe how many sheep restricted their own breathing. My masks, the very few times I wore them had rhinestones and were hundred percent breathable. I mocked the mandate when I had to adhere. Yeah. You know, I'll never forget. I'll never forget working in in the the fashion industry. I was working in a studio out in uh, uh, what's the city? It's like out close to to Anaheim, Cerritos. And I was driving an hour to get to work every day. Like it was just insane. Sometimes an hour and a half with all the traffic, both ways. And so it was like three hours total of my day just commuting to go to this place. And there's seven people in my studio because we were one of seven studios. Seven people in my particular studio, humongous studio. We had our own little, like, studio areas within this studio. And um, we weren't even near anybody. Like, we, I couldn't cough, and, like, the particles of my cough could get to the next person. That's how far away we were from each other. And yet, the company thought it was in our best interest to not only put on masks while we were working, which I never did unless somebody was close to me, you know, and that was just so that I didn't get fired. But they also forced us to put on these these jumpsuits. It looked like we were in jail, dude. It was crazy. We, these 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 cotton jumpsuits. And I was thinking to myself, what does this have anything to do with COVID? COVID is actually a respiratory disease. It has nothing to do with it coming onto your clothes. And everybody went along with it, except for me. I would never wear the jumpsuit. And everybody was so uncomfortable. Everybody would look at me and they were uncomfortable about it. And I would just think, guys, 
use your head. I know it's hard to think when you're not having enough oxygen to your brain wearing a mask, but please use your critical thinking, the, the, the critical mind that God gave you. Use your, use your intellect to, to, to reason this out. There's nothing that this jumpsuit is doing. It's just making you feel like, like you're safe, and, and you're, you're looking like an inmate now. It's crazy. I should have kept that jumpsuit. I ended up just having it, uh, you know, sent back to them. But uh, funny, ah, never forget that. It's just so crazy. Yeah, that's wild. And oh, and there was the time where you know this was early on. They were saying, um, you know, even though there's seven people and you guys are pretty far apart from each other, we're only going to have one person in the studio at one time. <laughs> so basically, I was on the clock Monday through Friday, but I would only go into work two days a week. And all the rest of the time, I was just on the clock getting paid to do nothing. That's how much uh, fear there was about this. I mean, I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful to God I didn't get fired. You know, they didn't yeah. let me go. But but anybody with any sort of critical thinking would have would have been like, oh, okay, well, I mean, this is I don't know. We, maybe we don't know all about what's what this virus is, but let's just continue a little bit like normal, you know. But no, it's just. It was just it was just everything out the window, just so that uh, just so that we 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 could continue living in fear of this of this thing. It's just so. Ugh. Anyway, I got to write all this down so that my daughters can can know what exactly we just, experience as they clip came into this the video world. and put it into a hard into a USB. Oh drive. man, this is just. I mean, this is like the top of the iceberg. What Heard about everything else? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's just crazy times, man. Crazy times. Let's see. Lots of comments. Scan, seeing people wearing a mask in a car with windows rolled up. Yeah, that was, that was so weird. Yeah, I, I see that I, too sometimes. Yeah, they, yeah, I got almost got kicked off a plane because I wouldn't wear my mask in the plane. Uh, the way I share things as much as I can won't take too long to share because of my hand-eye coordination issues. Lots uh, of Creole says, is it is just Mary? me? Yeah, it's Mary. Oh. Is it just me, or is all this bizarre behavior more prevalent after the majority of the population is jabbed? Nah, I don't think so. No, nah, I, I think, think it was there. Yeah, I think it was there. I don't think it has anything to do with that, to be honest. I think it was under the surface, and then this was an excuse for it to bubble over. I am just waiting to see if people are going to resist. That's what I'm waiting to see. You know, one time I went to the supermarket, and I just I was like, I'm tired of this. I can't do this anymore. And I didn't wear a mask. Shopped around. It was pretty fine, actually. Most people didn't give me any trouble. But when I got to the check stand, they were like, I can't check you out unless you put a mask on. I'm like, man, I just spent 45 minutes picking out my groceries. I'm not about to go pick, put them back. So I put them on, put the mask on, and then I checked out. <sighs> yeah, it was mostly fine in Houston. It was mostly fine really? in Houston. Yeah. Um, it's Houston's pretty liberal, man. Some pockets where it was very, very much like that. Like, if you're in the Montrose area, it's over for you. If, <laughs> <laughs> it's over for you. If you were um, living in the outskirts of town, suburbs area, you're mostly okay, depending on the suburb. And whenever you got out, because I went to go visit my brother, because during COVID is when I entered the Dominicans, and I came back during the COVID is still going on. I went to go visit my brother in Nacogdoches, and um, while I was heading that way, I made a couple stops because I was going moseying my way over, stopped to eat at a couple places. And out in middle of nowhere, Texas, dude, it was normal life. Nobody cared. It was so nice. This is why we got to get out of the cities, man. 
I'm over it. I'm over the cities. I don't know if I could do country life. I've never lived country life. I'm a suburbs kid. Grew up in the city. Grew up in the suburbs. But nonetheless, I want to know if I can live in the country. I want to know if I can be a rancher or farmer. I have no idea. I'll probably hate it, to be honest. I'm I don't a country know. boy. Urban Four cowboy. Four-wheel drive. To be honest, country, urban cowboy all the way through. It's sad. <laughs> it's sad. All right. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio and on our live streams. So tune in. Hopefully tomorrow everything will run 100%. We are like 90% today, so I think tomorrow will be good. Talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.